Good morning, everyone. Good to, good to see you. Good to be here today. So today we are, um, I'm speaking about Shafan. Has anyone heard of Shafan? Okay, come on, Michael, who? <laughs> Shafan and Sons. But in a way, that's the point. So um, I hadn't thought of him, noticed him either. Uh, this is a bit echoey. So a few years ago, during COVID, I was reading through chronicles, like King's Chronicles, some of the prophets, and I began to take note of the minor characters. So we've got our big characters, we've got our major characters in the story, the uh, Samuel and David and Solomon and Jeremiah, those are the major characters. But then there were all of these little minor characters in the Bible that we read but we hardly notice, and yet they're mentioned there. They're part of God's story. And that struck me as really important because there's, there's many times that we can feel, oh, we're not, a, we're not important, no one might notice us, I don't have a big part to play, I'm kind of on the edge of things, and yet we're part of God's story. So we're first going to look at uh, Shafan and his faithfulness to God. And then we're going to go on to an amazing title that God gives us as Christians, co-workers. So co-workers, we're God's co-workers. And we'll come back to this slide again. Uh, and so we see this, that he is working in us he is working through us. Okay, so let's go to the setting for Shafan. So Monica explained this. Uh, so Conrad, just keep an eye because I'll and keep it moving, yeah? So that, yeah, going on to the next one. Um, so Monica shared this with us last time, the timeline, and I want to highlight a few things that really are also to do with Shafan. So or to do with his context. So back at the deep blue, we see that was the time of Abraham. So the time that the promises were given to Abraham, that he would become a great nation, that they would have the promised land would be given to them. Later on, if we look at the light blue, we see that's the time of the Exodus where God was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and through Moses, giving them the commands, giving them the law that was so important. Going then to the, the purple, we have like the time of the kings and Solomon, where there was the temple. And I don't know if you know, but in the temple, there were lots of images of the garden, like lots of pomegranates, lots of um, garden imagery. And this was a reminder back to the time of Eden, that God, where God was with Adam and Eve in the garden in a very intimate way. And so this, the temple was a place of God's presence and of worship. So now we come to the pinkish time. So this is where 
the people are no longer following God. The people of Israel have, have completely disregarded God and have been taken away by the Assyrians. Judah has had a bit of a mixture of some faithful kings and some ones that aren't faithful. And when we come to the time of uh, Shaphan, we come to a time when the temple is in disrepair and uh, the, there's no longer the worship going on at the temple. So the Torah was no longer being read, the worship wasn't happening as it should, and the kings of Judah were not following God. So then Josiah, there's a king, you can go on to the next slide, there's a king called Josiah who became king when he was eight years old. And even though his father didn't follow God, Josiah did follow God. It says at the beginning of 2 Chronicles 34 that when he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. But still, the temple was in disrepair, the Torah wasn't being read, the worship wasn't happening. And so, um, this is where we're introduced also to Shaphan. So, Shaphan was secretary, secretary to this King Josiah. And he was given the job, together with some others, of supervising the restoration of the temple. So as it says in verse 8, in the 18th year of Josiah's reign, to purify the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, and others to repair the temple of the Lord his God. And so later, in those next few verses, we're seeing how he does that faithfully. He uses the money, the resources, the people in his care to faithfully do that. And then we see in verse 12 there, the workers labored faithfully. The temple was being repaired. And as they were restoring the temple, something important really happened. So it says, while they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the Lord of the, the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. In one sense, it was something really small that Shaphan did. This, the law was found, he realized it was important, but he took that initiative to act on it and to bring that to King Josiah. And as we go on to the next part, we'll see that as he took action, God did something big with that. It says, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. Now, at that time, that was a symbol of repentance. So, God convicted Josiah 
Josiah realized that they hadn't been following the law of the Lord, that they hadn't been worshiping in the way that they should. And he repented and he led Judah in repentance and recommitting themselves to God. And uh, yeah, I've, I've sort of put in bold some of those things, but let me, let me read it. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. So like this was huge. After some generations of the king and the whole nation like turning their backs on God, this was a big turnaround at this time. So Shaphan had done something small, but God worked in the situation to bring about something really, really significant. So there's times, there's times when God calls us to take action, and it's, it's not always easy. Okay, I'm seeing Paul in front of me here, so let me say about, about him. So Paul put a dream, God put a dream, like a concern in Paul Mwambi's life about kids dropping out of school. And rather than ignoring that, he acted on it. And this very week, he has published two books about education in Uganda, fiction and nonfiction. Like, I feel he'll give his own testimony someday, but I see God taking something small and some small faithful actions and doing something big. You know, so sometimes God puts us in our, his, our hearts to do something, and he calls us his co-workers. You know, it might be something even like me volunteering to do this sermon. Like, in a way, it's, it can be something that's hard to do. In a way, another way, it's just it's something small, and yet God is the one who actually makes the difference. Or I remember... Um, Back in 2011, when we were happily worshipping with KIC Heritage and then beginning to have the sense of God calling us to set up a congregation here. And so that was uh, March 2012 in our, in our house, actually, um, before in September then we, we started meeting at Mildmay. So in some ways it was a bit hard because we were comfortable there. That was our friends were. Like our kids had youth group uh, there, had their friends. So to come here where there were like no youth, very small, not so exciting, in some ways was hard. On the other hand, it wasn't really a big thing. We just started meeting, worshipping, praying, and yet God 
has done something amazing through it, through which we have really been blessed and many others have been blessed. So God calls us his co-workers. And whenever he calls us to do something, he's doing so much more in the situation. And so I hope and pray that that's been true for, for you in the past, but also in, your, in the future. So then, uh, Shafan, it wasn't just his own life, but actually there are three of his sons and one of his grandsons that are mentioned. So he was faithful in his legacy to the next generation. We can presume that he was inputting into their lives. So, but let's see. So um, King Josiah's son, King Jehoiakim, who became king after him, did not follow God. And he and the people of Judah turned away from God. So we read about it in Jeremiah 26, about how God sent Jeremiah the prophet to warn them. So it says, but as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord had commanded him to say, the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized him and said, you must die. He didn't give up. He repeated his warning. The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the things you have heard. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent and not bring the disaster he has promised against you. So then some of the officials and people stood up to those powerful leaders who were trying to, to capture Jeremiah at that time. And one of the ones that is named is the son of Shaphan. Achiham, son of Shaphan, supported Jeremiah, and so he was not handed over to the people to be put to death. So possibly Shaphan wasn't alive at this time, but his legacy as God's faithful servant was impacting the next generation. So that challenged and encouraged me. We have three great children, plus two extra by marriage, and God is working in all of them in, in many different and amazing ways. But Jerry and I are just like regular parents. We definitely wouldn't offer to do any parenting workshops, but the thing is, it's, it's co-workers, like we are doing our part and God is doing even something bigger. Let me just take a throat sweet as I go. So we're to be faithful with what God gives us. And he's the one who does the big work, the significant work. We can't do that. And this isn't just for parents, but it's for all of us. Because all of us have the chance to input into the lives of children, young people, and, and others in different ways. And as we do it, we know that God is the one who's really doing the impact. Uh, there was 
Many years ago, uh, Bobby and Erin, who were mentioned, they're coming back to do the marriage seminar, but when they were new in Uganda, they'd been facing quite a few difficult situations, and there was one time we invited them over for dinner, and they were able to share some of their struggles, and we were able to like encourage them. But it was only years later that I realized the big impact that that had had in their lives that they'd been at a time of almost kind of giving up. But God used that situation to really encourage them and um, to enable them to become part of the congregation here. Uh, I'm also thinking of a story from Hugh. So Hugh was telling us about a young primary school teacher who was preaching, who in one sense he said, he thought wasn't preaching very well, but yet quite a few of the little kids became saved and came to Christ through it. And so it's like we can bring our small things and input into people's lives and God does something more. So just to begin to think about who are you inputting into? Who's, and who's, who are you already doing it to? And is God calling you to input into others' lives, just in, diff in different ways. Okay, another son is um, Gemariah. So, this is uh, still the time when Jeremiah is warning the people to turn back to God. So it says, from the room of Gemariah, son of Shaphan, the secretary, which was in the upper courtyard at the entrance of the new gate of the temple, Barak read to all the people at the Lord's temple the words of Jeremiah from the scroll. When Micaiah, son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to where all the officials were sitting. After Micaiah told them everything he had heard Barak read to the people from the scroll, when they had heard all these words, they looked at each other in fear and said to Barak, we must report all these words to the king. So this king now is King Jehoiakim, who is not following God. So just as Shaphan had gone to King Josiah with the word of God, now we see his son and his grandson going to King Jehoiakim. As we, as we look here, let's find out what happens when they go there. Can you just picture this? It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter apartment. I, I sometimes think it's amazing that we can have a glimpse into this winter apartment of like 3,000 years ago. But here we are reading about people round the fire in their winter apartment and what was happening. Okay, it was the ninth month and the king was sitting in the winter apartment with a fire burning in the fire pot in front of him. Whenever Jehudi had read three or four columns of the scroll, that's the scroll that the son and grandson had brought, the king cut them off with a scribe's knife and threw them into the fire pot. 
until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, even though Elnathan, Deliah, and Gemariah, who was the, who was the son of Shaphan, urged the king not to burn the scroll. He would not listen to them. So here we see the son and grandson of Shaphan doing what's right. They're sharing God's word that had been given to Jeremiah. They're afraid, because it said they looked at each other with fear and said we must go to the king. They're afraid, but they're still choosing to do what's right and tell the king. Now, were they successful? Did the king listen? No. Were they able to change the heart of the king and the people? No, they weren't. So some of the hardest times in Jerry and my life have been when we followed what God was telling us to do, but it ended up in failure. And that failure like still impacts us today, materially, but also deeply, like psychologically. And, you know, it, it leads to questioning. These guys were doing the right thing, but they're up against evil. And God didn't force King Jehoiakim to obey him. He's not a controlling God. So when, when bad things happen, when there's evil in the world and something bad happens, okay, my understanding is that in Islam, people say, inshallah, it's God's will. But that is not the Christian belief that everything that happens is God's will. In these chapters of Jeremiah, we see God crying out to his people to repent and to avert the consequences of their sin. He longed for them to come back to him. But he gives people free will. And that often results in pain and suffering. And we see that in the world around us. You know, Sudan, in terrible conflict, persecution of Christians in North Africa and Korea in different places. Of course, we do at times see God using that. At times, he still keeps working. He doesn't give up working. But the evil itself is not his will. The evil is not his will. And we can see it around us where there's ungodly things happening and people suffering. That is not his will. And so if you have been in a situation like that and you're full of turmoil and questions, do please come and talk to us, pray, you know, to get, pray, get, talk to people, get, get people around you, yeah? So God had been warning the people of Judah for generations that if they turned their backs on him, disaster would strike and they would be sent into exile. They'd lose that homeland, in a way, that was 
promised that to Abram, that they'd be driven out of it. And he didn't want that. He wanted them to repent. But they didn't repent. And many were carried into exile, including Daniel. And it's at that time that we meet Shaphan's third son, uh, Elasa. And he was entrusted with a letter. And we have the privilege of being able to read that letter. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to all the people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to, ba to Babylon. He entrusted the letter to Elasa, son of Shaphan. It said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Uh, Patrick actually read this in his sermon a few weeks ago, and I'm just wondering, did he notice Elasa, son of Shaphan, or he might have, because he read it here in front of his own, and I was thinking, oh, I bet I'm the only one who's noticing that guy. So, you know, these minor characters are here. They're doing important things. And then it says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So this precious part of scripture was entrusted to Elasa, son of Shaphan, one of Shaphan's sons. Now it wasn't what they were expecting or wanting. You know, I know the plans. They were saying, oh, I hope the plan is just to stay here like six months would be enough. I hope God rescues us. You know, they wanted to go back immediately, but they're, but they're not getting that immediate rescue or deliverance. But, uh, so they did have to wait 70 years. But they were waiting in the assurance that God had a plan for their nation and that wasn't the end. And so as we look at this map, um, it's like you can just see it's quite a long way from Jerusalem to uh, Babylon. Yeah. And I'm sure it travels not the easiest in those days. But Elasa set out on that journey carrying that letter with those words to encourage the people there, but also to encourage us. That's the amazing thing that Alessa did that journey, but the amazing thing that God has done, God as well as protecting him uh, and bringing the people back, even more amazingly preserved that letter for thousands of years that we can still read it. It's part of our scripture today. So, um, Jesus then also taught a bit on this 
so that's okay that's the end of Shaphan and his and his three sons um but Jesus also taught on this concept of us doing like something small but God doing the amazing work let's read the parable of the growing seed from Mark he also said this is what the kingdom of God is like a man scatters seed on the ground night and day whether he sleeps or gets up the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how all by itself the soil produces grain first the stalk then the head then the full kernel in the head as soon as the grain is ripe he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come and so this tree uh maybe about 10 or 12 years ago i'm uh, like this was just this height in a pot so we did the small small job of like removing it from the pot digging the hole just putting it there that little 20 minute work but look what god is doing this is a picture of the kingdom of god he is at work whether we're sleeping we're singing we're doing whatever he is he is at work doing beyond yeah but he invites us as we go to the next slide god of course could do it all himself but he invites us to be co-workers so we who are the minor characters here we're not the major ones we're the minor characters here at kic laboa he invites us to work with him it's talking here about to working like in the one from philippians so it's talking about we're working for his good pleasure but it's god is at work in us to do it the next one that first thing so he's uh, may the god of peace equip you in every good thing to do his will so we're wanting to do his will but we're not left on our own to do it he is equipping us he's working in us to do it so you know just think of for us as we're going about our everyday lives he's inviting us to be part of bringing the kingdom of god and he is equipping us and you know the amazing thing about the gospel is even when we do wrong and we miss things and we don't do things that we know we should have done there is forgiveness and grace and he still comes again to us and invites us to be co-workers with with him so our lives are not to be focused just on the now but on we're part of something bigger something eternal so in the last month or so our family had the opportunity through something god revealed to daniel to have a glimpse into the eternal like to glimpse a bit in a fresh way that 
this life here is so temporary and the eternal is the bigger and more wonderful reality that's already it's already there even though we can't see it but we still are a part of that and so as we're thinking about our own lives accept that invitation to become part of those bigger purposes of God so um, this here is St Paul's Cathedral um, in London it was designed uh, about 300 years ago uh, by an architect called Sir Christopher Wren and there's a story uh, set back in the time of when it was when it was being built a visitor came to the building site and he asked one worker what are you doing and he said I'm cutting stone he asked another worker what are you doing he said I'm earning my wages he asked another worker what are you doing and he said I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren to build a cathedral so he had this idea he was part of the bigger picture of something that was going to outlast his life and God's also calling us to be part of something bigger that outlasts our lives and goes on into eternity so as we finish some questions to ponder like do you see yourself as God's co-worker in the little things you're doing in in your daily work visiting and praying for the sick or just looking after the kids or in your business interacting with people are you just earning your money or are you open to ah I'm part I'm working with God to bring his kingdom knowing that he is with us and he is equipping us and how does that influence how you view your everyday life and you may also want to reflect on Shafan who was faithful with his physical resources with taking action to do what was right and with his legacy to future generations okay we thank we thank God Christine do you want to come and dismiss people <laughs> Yeah. <sighs>